Welcome to your friendly neighborhood film cast, a movie podcast where we spread the good word about movies. I am your host, Jack, and with me is returning guest, Audrey. Hello. Glad to be here again, Jack. So happy to have you back. And uh, if I sound a little rusty, it's because I took uh, probably three weeks off at this point. This is the first podcast that we're recording of the year 2021. Awesome. And the first podcast since this has launched. So it's uh, a new chapter for That's me. That's exciting. Yeah. A new chapter, but uh, just another episode for you guys. I listened to the first episode with Melissa where you guys were talking about Tenet. And I still have no idea what happens in that movie. <laughs> good. That's good. <laughs> I was like, I'll just skip the spoilers and no clue. No clue what's going on. I'm happy to hear that that hasn't ruined the experience. When you do watch it, if you do watch it, it'll still be new and fresh. Right. That was the goal. That was the idea. So Good. Well, I am very thrilled to be talking about today's movie with you. It is the 2019 film Us, directed by Jordan Peele and described by Google as... Accompanied by her husband's son and daughter, Adelaide Wilson returns to the beachfront home where she grew up as a child. Haunted by a traumatic experience from the past, Adelaide grows increasingly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four masked strangers descend upon the house, forcing the Wilsons into a fight for survival. When the masks come off, the family is horrified to learn that each attacker takes the appearance of one of them. That was a really good Vincent Price right there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So, Audrey, what is your background with us and what are your overall thoughts? Uh, Spoiler free, of course, to start off. Um, Yes. So my background is that I basically, so I'm a huge scaredy cat horrifyingly bad at watching horror movies and yet I love them so much um Mm -hmm. I kind of had a horror renaissance when I was in college and ever since then uh have not been able to stop myself even when it's uh scaring me out of my mind so with us I had really enjoyed Get Out which I did not see in theaters um when it first came out but that was Jordan Peele's Mm -hmm. Um, directorial debut his first horror film it was very very good so if you haven't seen that definitely watch it mm-hmm. but so when I saw the trailers for us and I'm not usually a movie trailers person like I like to go in blind but same here I watched the trailers for us and I was just captivated by the mythology that he seemed to have created so um, my husband and I went and saw it in theaters and it was really good. I enjoyed it. I felt like I enjoyed it more than Get Out, but I don't think that it was as cohesive a story as Get Out, where Get Out is like barely brushing the realm of what I would call sci-fi. Us is firmly rooted in it. And so mm-hmm. I think that there was a lot more like conceptual stuff going on in Us um, that I that I don't know all executed well. I also felt like Us was more heavy-handed with the symbolism than Get Out was, and Get Out was pretty heavy-handed with symbolism. So overall, enjoyed it. For sure, um, had a great time with it. It had one of those endings where I just walked out of the theater and I was like, I'm going to have to think about this one. Um, 
yeah, I I really enjoyed it quite a lot, and um, definitely it had some twists and turns that I didn't expect. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking about this one with you. We're going to have a lot to dissect, <laughs> and I'm thrilled about it. Yeah, yes. my background is really similar. I was also a huge fan of Get Out, even though I did not get out to see it in the theaters as much as I would have loved to. Um, I kind of right at that point was still a little bit trepidatious about horror movies in general. I really liked horror as a very young child. It was unsettling to some people that uh, I was a preschooler oh, obsessed no. with goosebumps in the Twilight Zone and everything Wonderful. spooky. Yeah. And then as I got older, I just kind of became um, disillusioned, I guess you could say, with horror landscape and with horror tropes and then you kind of get to an age where you're not old enough to see a lot of the older movies and appreciate them but you're too young for kind of the more accessible ones to kids or teens so I was kind of at that point when Get Out was released and I will say that I was very impressed with that movie I loved it it revived my love of the horror genre and just like you I've been completely immersed back into it since then and I feel like horror has really uh kind of experienced a renaissance within the past few years and I can't attribute that all to Jordan Peele but I would like to think that he kick-started it very much he definitely had a hand of it in it and and so for me it was prior to get out I had gotten into a lot of international horror mm. so um, Bong Joon-ho, who just won for mm-hmm. Parasite, best uh, the Best Picture Oscar, um, his previous films were ones that I really enjoyed. The Host, in particular, is a really good one. It's on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and it also stars Song Kang-ho, who plays the dad in Parasite. But so I had really gotten into like international horror, and so then Get Out was like the first U.S. piece that really brought me back in because mostly I find. I find that the reason that I was like fatigued of horror is that a lot of it turned into just like gore porn or like remakes of yes. 80s slashers, which I was only marginally interested in in the first place. So it was like I was basically watching horror comedy, which is, you know, it's horror, but not really like it's a genre twist. Or I was mm-hmm. watching international horror movies and then Get Out was just like, OK, wait, there's some stuff happening here in the U.S. that is yeah. decent and people who are are really using the different nuances of the genre um, in really interesting ways that I think it's been since the eighties that we've seen that. Right. And so, um, I could, I could talk forever about horror and how as a genre, it is the most closely related, um, to like discussions of trauma and grief and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you want one, that's a perfect allegory for grief, you watch the Babadook. It's a very good horror movie also, but, but yeah, so get out was amazing. Um, its allegory is, of course, about uh, racism, systemic racism, and mm-hmm. um, there's it's got a lot to say about that. Us had a lot to say about classism, I feel like. Yes, which I would never have guessed from the trailer. That was a nice surprise. Right. It definitely looked like it was going to be, you know, more of a slasher. And yeah, and it was a slasher. But it still had so much to say about classism. Yes. 
which we will definitely get more into that after we get into the spoiler section. But yes, I yes. I feel the same way with trying to avoid movie trailers, but because I was such a huge fan of Get Out, I couldn't help myself but watch the trailer for us. And the trailer itself is just so well-constructed and well-edited that I revisit it quite a bit, even to this day. Like, I do really like watching trailers after I've seen the movie because they don't yes. spoil anything for me at that point. And I can just kind mm-hmm. of judge them as a work of art on their own and not worry about having seen too much. And that is one that I watch quite a bit because I just find it very impressive and very eerie. And uh, I love it. I like it. I love the like juxtaposition of I got five on it and how they like twist that into the musical motifs. And yes. so that in the trailer is really the reason that I watched it the first time because I like heard that while I was doing mm-hmm. something else. And then I was like, okay, wait, now I want to see it. <laughs> now I want to know what that was. Like, um, yeah, so... I do feel like it was well edited. I do feel like Jordan Peele um, or whoever on his team has the hand in the trailers does a nice job of making his trailers thematically really tight um, so that it it's only giving you as much as you need to go in. And that is something I really appreciate because a lot of trailers basically give you the movie. Yeah. And this gives you only about the first 40 minutes, which yep. I really appreciate. <laughs> but yeah, um, I saw this opening weekend. It it was like an event for me. As much as I was looking forward to the next Marvel movie, I was looking forward to the next Jordan Peele movie. I was ready. I was going to have a time. And uh, yeah, I will say that overall, I think that this just solidified my decision to watch anything that Jordan Peele makes from this point moving forward. Right. Like, Get Out was impressive enough, but he really um, proved that he has a lot of range just within one genre with this, I think. And I think that having a larger budget on this one definitely helped with the style and the scale and the cinematography. Like, Get Out has a very grand concept but the story itself is very centralized it's like self-contained and us yeah very self-contained huge scale yeah i think that this one is certainly more stylish than get out although i appreciate the substance more in get out if that makes sense like there's definitely a lot more to chew on with the dialogue and with the characters than there is in this one but i i still appreciate what it's doing very much i think that's a perfect way to put it it's like us i think was prettier to look at in terms of the care that was put into the whole aesthetic of everything Mm -hmm. um but get out i think that in terms of the actual writing it had more substance yeah this almost had an unfair advantage with featuring a carnival and a beach within the first five minutes that's all i needed (laughs) i'm in it was very very good (laughs) yeah yeah, those are my spoiler-free thoughts. I have way more to say once we... I was going to say, there's not a lot you can say about this one that is spoiler-free. <laughs> so... Okay, do we want to venture into spoiler territory? Yes, let's do it. All right. We're heading down the little escalator. Oh <laughs> uh, Yes, perfect. The sign says, spoilers beyond this point. Yes. Okay, so 
Now that we are out in the open, what do you want to talk about? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, So many things. Okay, so the first thing that I really enjoyed was the homeless guy with the Jeremiah 1111 uh, sign that you see Mm -hmm. in the initial scene when when Adelaide's a child is in the same place when the family is there on their vacation. But then... He gets taken away in an ambulance and the weird guy that her son Jason sees on the beach is that guy. He's the first double. And I lost it. I was like, there, this is, uh, uh, and Aaron was like, no, I don't think they're the same person. And Mm -hmm. I just said, no, that's the same person. Uh, 11-11 is like a big theme in this one which uh, I didn't do my homework and look up again what verse that was but like when they're walking across the beach and their shadows look like 11-11 and like the number on the ambulance at the end is 11-11 so it's like a big the other part of it oh someone in the beginning is wearing like a black flag t-shirt I think which their logo is 11-11 so part of it I know is that like Jordan Peele wanted to play with the mirroring aspect right Mm -hmm. because with the others living underground being like the mirrors of the people us living on the surface um 11 11 is like a perfect mirror and so yeah he had a lot of fun with the symbolism in this one he certainly did and with the hall of mirrors and all of that fun stuff I think that your insight on this movie maybe being a little bit more heavy-handed with the symbolism was interesting because I I think that it does work on just like a basic level of um, horror and you can watch it without really digging deep into it and it can kind of be a variation on the home invasion slasher movie which of course there's way more to it than that but you can take it at face value that's the word I'm looking for you could take it at face value and not dig much deeper But I think that if you do, you will find a lot more symbolism in this one than you will with Get Out, which Get Out, brilliant in terms of what it's trying to convey, very effective in terms of what it's conveying. Oh, sure. But I think that this is certainly doing a lot and asking a lot of you to think about classism. And I think that this was kind of the first of many pieces of media in 2019, specifically that year that focus on class war and I think it does it in a very like if you're taking this movie at face value it's not as in your face if that makes sense but if you think about it and dig deeper it really does I think for me it was that some of the stuff in Get Out that felt really subtle made me pay more attention when I went to see Us and so then it did feel a lot more heavy-handed um, I also think the other part of it is that like he had a higher budget so he was able to have more control over the sets and the shots and the way that we- you're framing all these things so he just went full Edgar Wright you know like Edgar Wright is all about the Easter eggs and stuff in his movies and Jordan Peele was like I'm gonna do that I'm just gonna do it in horror instead of comedy and so like yeah I think it really worked it's something that made me feel like I couldn't look away for a second or I couldn't stop thinking for a second because there was so much to see and like to go, okay, the rabbits are in this scene. Now there's a rabbit in this scene. What does this mean? Like we'll look at the movie titles next to the TV at the beginning when the hands across America uh, ad is playing. Mm -hmm. Right. And the titles are all like chud, which 
Fun fact, my parents went on a date to see that movie. It, it stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. And they walked out of it. And it is to this day the only movie my mom has walked out of of her own will. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. But it's like, it's a lot of movies like that, right? Where it's like hinting at people living underground and like clones and like doubles and things like that. So even in that very like opening shot, it's there for you to see. So I I thought it was fun. I like to see all the symbolism Mm -hmm. um, and stuff. I just think the the way that it is in literally every scene in this movie was so much to absorb. Yeah, this is definitely a movie that benefits off of multiple rewatches. You can certainly find different stuff every time that you watch it, which I won't get to this yet, but I do have something I want to bring up later on. But while we're talking about the symbolism behind it, I really appreciate the fact that the movie is called Us, but you can also take it as standing for U.S., as in the United States. Mm-hmm. And when Adelaide asks Red, or no, it's not Adelaide, it's her husband who asks, who are you people? And Red replies, we are Americans. Mm-hmm. That was what started getting the wheels turning for me. Like, what oh, are yeah. they saying here? Mm-hmm. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, so the big twist, right, obviously, is that uh, the Adelaide that we followed through this whole film is not Adelaide. It's Red. It, it's her double. And that when mm-hmm. she was young and the scene at the beginning and she's in the House of Mirrors, her double replaces her. And that's so like after that experience, there's this whole thing where like she's at a therapist and she won't speak. And it's like once you find out at the end that Adelaide like switched places with Red, it makes sense why Red is the only other who speaks even mm-hmm. though she has um, a very like dystonic type of voice from not using it for years, it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense why Adelaide had that period of silence because she had to learn to speak. Um, it makes sense why she's afraid of the beach. There's all kinds of hints throughout the movie that like she only eats certain foods and like that that's tied back to her being an other somehow also and just a lot of stuff to think about which is the other reason that like a rewatch is 100% worth it for this one so so here's what I have to ask Jack when they revealed at the end that Adelaide was red mm-hmm. did you care because for me it definitely like hit like a shock but I was like I mean I don't blame her so here's the interesting thing and this is I'm glad that you just segued into this part of the conversation because I definitely wanted to touch on that <laughs> As interesting of a twist as I find it, and as much as I appreciate that there were little Easter eggs thrown out throughout the entire film, and once you do see the end and you know the end, it does recontextualize it, I would have been fine without the final twist. Oh, for sure. It works just fine without it. It does. There are no plot holes without it. It's not even an issue I have with the movie because I think it works fine and it is interesting and I don't dislike it whatsoever, but I do think that for me, it kind of recontextualized my thoughts on what they were going for at first. Like when you see Adelaide and you don't think that she's red or at least I don't know for me part of me did think it a couple of times did her and red switch places at some point but it wasn't at the forefront of my mind it was just like a little breadcrumb way in the back there right but 
I think that it worked better for me without that final twist because it it seemed more like a study of how trauma changes a person and I could relate to that way more than oh it is a different person like that's why (laughs) she's not the same I don't know right no I think that that's a good observation and definitely not something I had considered so for a movie about doppelgangers which terrify me in real life I really did not think hardly ever in this movie oh someone's gonna switch places with their double like that somehow did not occur to me after the very first time the the others come in and they have the family like caught up and stuff I was like okay so they are going to take their places but we will know if that happens because they're so very obviously different and so it just like had never occurred to me that maybe that's what happened to Adelaide right so for me it was a really good mm-hmm. um twist because because it was something that I hadn't anticipated and I do think that it changed the dynamics of the story and the context through which we're viewing the story because part of it part of it also um I can't think about the lore too much or it'll fall apart um, yeah like is the underground that. hell or how is it mir- how is it that all the others mirror their surface dwelling counterparts or is it Alice in Wonderland or like there's a lot to think about there and a lot of things that it could be and I know that Jordan Peele deliberately left that open to interpretation but that's the other part that was jarring is like once it was revealed that it was a swap it was like a so how like how did that happen like how did the other how did Adelaide the original not just wander out of the mirror thing and instead headed back downstairs unless there's some sort of like compulsion right and that's just more world building and more questions and like ways to poke holes in it so I pretty much just went "Mm, good twist and then stopped thinking about it because it was gonna ruin the movie for me (laughs) Uh uh-huh for sure like I think that if you just again take it at face value don't try to really think about it too much past where the movie wants you to think about it. It works way better. But yeah, like the final twist, I appreciated what they were going for. I just kind of liked the original context for Adelaide before we know that she's read as Adelaide. Yeah. Talking about the way that people process trauma, like that that makes a lot of sense to me. And it does make the twist read as really flat. Um, to take away all the depth that they were building with Adelaide after her trauma as a child. So um, definitely see where you're coming from with that. I also think at the end when they do the twist, they the way that it is framed definitely makes it seem like Jason has realized that his yes. mom was an other. And that is like just bone chilling. And I think part of the reason that that hit me so hard is that like, this is the other reason that I think the twist worked for me is that I was at this point in my life where it was like I had grown up, I had had kind of a falling out with my parents and it had just really become apparent that like the people I grew up thinking I knew as my parents and like the people that they were are different people because I didn't see everything about them and I didn't know everything about them. And so Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it just kind of set this like it just had this really jarring tone of like sometimes you look at someone that you've known your whole life and you've loved your whole life and they're not the person that you thought they were and um yeah yeah and then the other thing that that suggested to me was like that it's another cycle of trauma because jason picks up pluto's mask right like he's gonna put it on Uh and so it's just like the cycle of trauma repeats and that's what classism does to us like you clawed your way to the top but you still put your put 
put your generational trauma onto the your son kind of thing i don't know that might be assigning a little too much depth but it definitely is one of the things that i was thinking about at the time no that's a perfect reading of it and i'm glad that you brought that up because yeah once the movie ends which even if you know there wasn't the whole twist with Adelaide being red and vice versa Mm -hmm. I think that just the fact that this family has survived a traumatic event even if there wasn't that exchange between Jason and Adelaide they're still completely different people from who they were 24 hours ago if even that and uh yeah they um had to make some very morally questionable choices to um maintain their lifestyle and suppress others. Yes. It is like literal violence, whereas the violence is maybe not as apparent to people in the difference between, um, you know, the billionaire class and poverty, right? And But it that is still violence. Um, you know, not to, not to throw a lesson on uh, <laughs> economics in here, but um, that, that's such a good point. The thing, the thing that always gets me is that the only person in the film who's not an other, actually, no, who, the only person in the film who kills someone that is not their double is Adelaide. Everyone else in the film explicitly only kills their double. Adelaide kills Red, of course, at the end, but she also, they're, whatever the white neighbors at the lake house or the beach house are, one of the twins is still alive and she kills her. And that's it and so like the only other scene where i think that you could read that someone else in the movie um has killed someone who's not their double is when the daughter um is running from her clone and the clone like slashes this guy's leg this driver's leg um from a car that they passed but to me that didn't read like he was dead right um and that might be a generous reading but that's just that's just something that like i thought about after my second time watching where i was like oh so Adelaide's the only person here who killed someone who's not her double directly and so it's like not only is she willing to kill her counterpart in order to stay ahead and to get ahead she's willing to kill someone else and like <sighs> mm-hmm. I, I think that that is what made this movie a little bit more palatable for me too is the fact that because I don't do home invasion movies I just don't. I don't even go there. But this is probably the closest I can get to that kind of movie because it's their doppelgangers. So it's like a supernatural chances... circumstance. It's not yes. just like a stranger coming to the house. Exactly. Like the chances of that actually happening, I would hope are zero to none. I mean, can't rule out anything these days, but uh, <laughs> I, I would be way less scared if a person who looked like me showed up at my door than some random person that I don't know. Yeah. It also weirdly evokes like the the scenes from every bad 60s sci-fi TV show where it's like, no, he's the clone. I'm the real one. Like, that's very mm-hmm. much what it felt like to me, even though there was such like an obvious difference between them. I was like, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Like the whole time that kind of the the scene with the boat is the one that comes to mind because I kept going, okay, is the dad dead or is the clone dead? Is the dad dead or is the clone dead? Like that whole sequence. Which I will say that I think that's also an aspect that, I mean, as much as this movie, um, you can get a lot out of watching it several times. I think that 
I enjoy the exposition and the final probably 10 minutes more than I enjoy the middle where it is kind of just like a a slasher movie for the most part. <laughs> I will say that in the middle, the scene with the white neighbors is definitely one that like, I'm not the kind of person that usually laughs at horror movies unless they are being explicitly funny. But the juxtaposition of that scene with their Alexa, whatever, Ophelia, I think it's called uh-huh. in the movie, like playing fuck the police instead of yes. calling the police. I just lost it. Like I could not stop laughing. And I just that scene in the middle is like a highlight for me because the rest of it is super tense, which you expect from a horror movie. But mm-hmm. even the parts that are played for laughs made me feel like I was holding my breath because it, it felt like it was too soon for there to be something funny. But in that scene, I was like, OK, they're all dead. And now this is funny. And yeah, <laughs> I can breathe easy enough to laugh about it. And uh, God, that sounds really bad to say that. I'm, I'm like hearing what I said now. And I'm like, mm, no, that sounded bad. But it is that's like the section in the middle where I feel like a lot of it feels like it's kind of a, a long stretch. And that scene really breaks it up for me. For sure. Yeah, that is um, a bit of levity in otherwise quite a yes. bit of a harrowing stuff. I do wish that this movie would have received more awards recognition, which I know that there is kind of, unfortunately, this um, long-standing notion that the Academy and other very prestigious organizations don't typically award horror films and they don't recognize them. That's the other reason that Parasite winning was such a big deal. Besides it just being an international film, it was also a horror film. Yeah. And I was really hoping that Get Out would break barriers in some way. And I was hoping that we would keep up the tradition by honoring us. But unfortunately, I think that probably the most prestigious award nomination that it received was um, Lupita Nyong'o getting a SAG award nomination, which I was really happy that she got that and... She's fantastic. I love her. I'm so glad that she was the lead in a movie. It was just great to see her be a lead. Yeah, she was amazing. And I really do think that she deserved more recognition. Like, even if you're snubbing the movie as a whole and like the categories where the movie is judged for itself, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you're going to pick an actor from that movie to honor, she's the one to go for. Like, just amazing, amazing. And the way that she differentiated her performance between Adelaide and Red was just... Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Yeah. I I could talk about this movie for such a long time. It uh it really is good. Even if it sounds like I was picking it apart. Like I love it. I just No, the same. But that's what I like about movies, right? And like that's part of the reason that horror as a genre really appeals to me is I just feel like there is often if you're not just watching like gore porn, right? It is often there is so much there to talk about and to figure out and like this one like I mean I haven't even talked about the fact that the Hands of America thing had like handprints in red across the country and like little people in red across country so that's why they're all wearing red jumpsuits and like oh man um what her dance classes and stuff I don't remember what I was going to say about that I'm like looking at my Mm -hmm. notes going I don't know 
Um, oh, fun fact. Uh, I got five on it. So that's the song that is like mixed into the score and also plays on the radio when they're driving to the beach and stuff. So that song's about splitting a dime bag with your friend. So even the musical motifs are about like two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's just a fun little tidbit that I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that went into this kind of like you were suggesting. And I, I'm pretty sure it was you who tweeted this quite a while back, but it was something along the lines of horror movies are a very safe way to experience negative emotions. And for someone like me who has a lot of general anxiety, yes, I find horror very cathartic. And I think that I've just started tapping into that within the past few years, but it's... um really provided quite a comfort to me in trying times as weird as that may sound (laughs) no I understand 100% I'm the same way I've generalized anxiety disorder um, among other things and horror is like a setting in which I get to control when I'm being scared yes so like yes I'm scared and yes I'm like feeling adrenaline and feeling anxious and stuff like that but I chose this versus when I can't choose it which is a lot of the rest of the time Mm -hmm. and Yeah. And the other part of that is that like part of my anxiety is that I have these intrusive thoughts and sometimes they're extremely unpleasant and they're extremely scary. And so like to to be able to watch a horror movie where um, violence or or trauma or grief is being played out and people are getting through it, regardless of how they come out on the other side, that feels really good also is is to see those things and to have someone survive at the end right and so mm-hmm. you know like broad metaphor wise it's not that living with mental illness is uh, equatable to the violence that's experienced in a lot of these horror movies and the trauma that happens in them but like mental illness and people who have been victims of sexual violence and people who have um had traumatic experiences in real life or who have ptsd or depression or things like that like seeing a movie where someone comes out on the other side of horrible things can be a super amazing processing experience. So that's part of it for me, for sure. Absolutely. I've read a lot of very interesting, not critiques, I can't think of words right now, but very interesting analyses of uh, the final girl trope and how much that means to a lot of women who have survived abusive relationships or sexual assault and how um, empowering that is. And so I, yeah, I completely agree with you on all of those. All of those F4 things, F4, oh my gosh, I can't talk. All of those aforementioned things. I was having a good Monday too. I'm like, <laughs> I my brain is sharp today. I can talk, apparently not, but yeah. We're just hitting the end of the day and your brain's like, it's done, we're done. Wrap it up, people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, when I was younger, uh, horror movies just were scary, and that was, like, it, and, but now I feel like a lot of the tools that I've gotten in therapy and, like, um, from having more lived experiences and things, they just become a, a, like, reflection for me to process things, which is nice, and that's not to say that, Mm -hmm. like, that's what it always is, because certainly I watch Aliens, like, once a year, and it's not because I'm, like, processing the final girl Sigourney Weaver surviving, right? Mm-hmm. It's just because I really enjoy that movie now. But, yeah, I, I like the catharsis that comes with it. And um, that I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely definitely a huge part of it for me. Yeah. 
And I should uh, backtrack a little bit that I don't want to exclude non-binary people or men from of that course, too. It's like I just said final girl and I'm like women, but anyone who has experienced anything can find it's a TV yeah. trope name, but yeah, it's a, it's any person who survives at the end and um yeah, and comes through that, which is awesome. So the one thing I have to say that I want to see trend differently in horror is um I don't love how much uh the antagonists in horror movies tend to be disabled. That's yeah. one of those things that really bothers me and they like make it really grotesque and stuff typically so you're supposed to think like this is a monster but then I'm like okay so if I see someone limping that same way in real life my first thought should not be this is a monster like mm-hmm. <sighs> so I'm just like find a different way to denote your bad person and um and I think a lot of more recent horror has gotten away from that certainly especially supernatural horror but it is still something in the genre that like I liked that there were story reasons for Red's voice being the way it was. Um, yes. And her being the only one who spoke. It also can read as a potentially gross way to represent mute people. And so I'm just like, uh, you know, like so torn. Really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Really enjoyed it. Don't want to ruin it for myself, but definitely would like to see a trend in genre. Like um, if you've seen It Follows, I really enjoyed that one because the villain was basically this thing you never saw and i loved it so it was great um yeah just some final thoughts out there those are good final thoughts to bring up so yeah with that have you watched any good movies or tv shows lately let's see um i mean everyone and their mom's talking about bridgerton and i'm no exception Basically, the first day that showed up on Netflix, everyone's like, it's Gossip Girl, but Jane Austen. Yes, it is. It is based on novels um, of the same name, romance novels. It's very steamy. It was good. I watched it with my sister. That was a little awkward. There was a lot of sex scenes in it. So um, fun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was really it was just really cheeky and funny. And um, the costumes were to die for. And it was a Shondaland production. So just really diverse. And also... um, Renee Jean shit I don't remember his full name but the guy who plays the duke the love interest mm, 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 very good very very good so that is what I have watched lately and then there's a new season of Letterkenny so I'm much more into comedy when I'm watching tv shows movies I tend to do like action and um and horror but tv shows I'm almost always comedy so nice how about you? I I haven't recorded an episode since Christmas Eve, so I have a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, the first movie that I watched that I would highly recommend, hopefully I can talk about it someday, is uh, Soul, which I watched on Christmas Day. I haven't watched that yet. I keep hearing good things, though. It's very good. Um, you watched The Good Place correct? Yes, I love The Good Place. Okay, if you love The Good Place, I think you'll love Soul. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it was fantastic. Definitely at this point, my favorite movie of 2020, although maybe that'll change. Who knows? But as of now, that's where it stands. And um, while I have Disney Plus for the next month or two to watch WandaVision and catch up on other stuff I've just been cramming in as much 
stuff that I've missed out on as possible. So I watched Coco, and that was oh, very I love cute. That movie. Mm. We watched it on uh, Dia de los Muertos, so it was wonderful. Oh, I'm gonna have to do that next year. I I really enjoyed it a lot, and it was very cute and uh, very moving as well. But I will say, I think that. I was expecting it to be a little bit more sad and moving after watching Soul, so it actually seemed way lighter uh, by comparison, but... Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing because uh, Coco definitely was one where like I cried for like the last 20 straight minutes of the movie, so good to know going into Soul. <laughs> yeah, although I guess I will say it's, di- it's very different for Soul, it's just more of a very deep existential film i'd love to know what a kid thinks of soul i can't believe this is a kid's movie but i'm glad it exists all all i have heard about people talking about showing it to children is um from some of my more religious friends has have basically been like you're gonna have to have a serious talk about the afterlife with your kids if they watch this movie and i'm just like oh oh no (laughs) yeah Wow, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. But yeah, there, I could see how there would be a lot of explaining that you would have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then just to give another Disney Plus recommendation, um, this isn't a good movie, but um, I watched it on a particularly anxiety-inducing evening, and it was a very nice distraction from reality, and that is the Disney Channel original movie Brink. I love Brink. Oh, that movie is so, I'm so bad. Glad that you know it. Oh God, I love that movie. It's so bad. It is so bad, but it's so much fun. Like oh. it's just so my vibe. So it was just nice to watch that and not think about reality for an hour and a half. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was definitely like young Audrey who was obsessed with the X Games for no apparent reason at one point in time. It was like my favorite. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you knew that reference. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, oh man. man. It's a toss up with Disney Channel originals because we didn't have cable. So like I only got to watch them when I was at my grandma's house. And so it was just kind of mm-hmm. whatever's on at the time. So I've seen like a really weird selection of Disney Channel movies. Nice. Yeah, that was one that I had never seen. And the reason that we even got to watching it was in my movie Discord. We were originally going to watch Get Out of all movies. And uh, it just kind of wasn't the vibe for that evening with everyone kind of just not being in a good mood and not wanting to watch something as heavy handed. So we just did a Disney Plus roulette option where we just kind of shuffled a bunch of titles around. And that's what we decided on and it it was perfect for that occasion (laughs) that's awesome i'm in a horror movie discord which is cool and we're going to be watching i don't know if we're going to be watching us anytime soon but we're going to be watching the host pretty soon which is the bong joon ho movie i recommended so yeah i'm excited about that they do a lot of like all over the place in horror um, I feel like I'm very picky compared to the other people in that Discord when I'm watching horror, but I'm like, I don't really want to just put on a slasher movie from the 80s that's like a Friday the 13th knockoff. <laughs> that's not really my style. I completely agree. 
The one they watched most recently was about like killer mermaids and it sounded really cool, but I wasn't oh, able to man. watch it. It was a foreign film. So yeah. So I'm, but it's on my list now. Cause I'm just like, okay, that one actually sounded really cool. You'll have to tell me the title of that one because I am very intrigued. I think it's called the lure. So yeah, like the lure, okay. like a fishing lure. Cool. Yeah. Um, the last movie that I would, um, recommend or I don't know if I should say recommend, but uh, it's kind of on topic, <laughs> is uh, the 2020 remake of The Invisible Man, Ooh. which I just recently watched. And um, I'm not super familiar with the original H.G. Wells premise, so I don't know how much this has changed, but it's a very powerful metaphor for... Um, PTSD from surviving an abusive relationship and how uh, women are just gaslit constantly in everyday life. So uh, it's very powerful. Elizabeth Moss, who was in the film Us, she's Mm -hmm. the main character and she does a phenomenal job. And I think that it's a very effective horror movie just because of the subject matter. Wouldn't watch it again. But for one time, very good, very impressive Yeah, I, so one of my hobbies is reading the synopsis of horror movies that I'm not sure I can handle. So I read the synopsis of that one. It did sound very interesting. Um, Yeah, I, it deviates from the H.G. Wells thing a lot. That's what I've gathered, (laughs) what I would assume at least. But yeah, that's a, no, that's a good one. I, um, I don't know if I'll ever check that one out. The synopsis was like, the right level of adrenaline for me um so watching Mm -hmm. it might be a little too intense but good recommendation though yeah I completely understand I was back and forth for a very long time on if I was gonna watch it and one night I was like sure let's do this sometimes you just have to be in the right mood and it's like okay Let's do this thing. Let's get it over with. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I can handle a lot more. And so, like, that's why I read the synopsis because I'm just like, it's like giving myself a trigger Mm -hmm. warning in advance. And um, it's sometimes it bites me in the ass, like uh, just body horror that strays away from the John Carpenter style of body horror um, is really Mm -hmm. bad for me. So I've read some synopses that had that kind of thing in it where I was just like, I feel physically ill now. It's good that I didn't watch the movie, but I wish that I hadn't read that either. <laughs> like, So it's hit or miss still with horror, but I'm working on it. I understand. Well, uh, what would you like to plug if there's anything you would like to plug, Audrey? Yes, yes, of course. So um, I am, as always, at Lady Tabletop on Twitter, and I co-host a podcast called Mordor She Wrote, with my friend Kayla, who has never read Lord of the Rings, and I've read it dozens of times, and so we are reading it chapter by chapter um, and talking about it on our podcast. So that's Mordor underscore she wrote. And then lastly, I write tabletop games, and the big one that I've published right now is Spaceships and Starworms, which is a 5e sci-fi hack. So you can find us at at Starworms with a Y on Twitter. Wonderful. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at yourfn film cast um and if you have any questions comments if you have any movie recommendations send them to friendly neighborhood at gmail.com until the next time <laughs>